Guys, podcastians, backseaters, it is with much regret that Hunter and I come to you today. Our hearts, well, they're, they're definitely not empty anymore. They used to be. We they were, used to be completely empty. Yeah. Void of all meaning. <laughs> Cruel, capricious, hateful. And, uh, hateful, full of capitalism. Full. I had so much capitalism in me. I had to go on a seven-week juice cleanse. Oh wow! Goodness gracious, dude. The only thing uh, that I I eat now is my own words. Uh huh. And how do they How do they taste? Well, I'll tell you this much: they weren't very vegan back then, <laughs> so they've been going against my new lifestyle. You might have noticed that around the time that some of this craziness kicked off in the world, what with uh, the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. Correct. And the heroism of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa movements. Uh, We stopped recording carpooling, and that's because Hunter and I... We knew uh, we were wrong. We knew we were wrong. Right. At the behest of Jack Dorsey and our local shaman, we spent a month straight, 30 days... Uh, in a sweat lodge yurt, correct. In the South American, we had nothing to uh, eat but continent. blueberries and nothing to drink but our own sweat. That's exactly right. Yeah, which doesn't do a whole lot for you after about six or seven cycles. There's not a whole lot left, and yeah. anyhow, what we realized is that uh, we were wrong and we were sorry. Yeah, so we come to you today humbly. Um, with season two of Carl pulling uh, to tell you that we're not going to have a show anymore. We're just going to yeah. take it off the air and you can listen and that's to all, that's the only right thing to do we're, we have to really, cancel ourselves um, <laughs> because some of the things that we said about Jessica Yaneve and her weight and her hideousness and yes. her general odor were simply unacceptable. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so we'd like to apologize. I, I remember several times implying that uh, David Hogg had mm-hmm. uh, more estrogen than testosterone in his body. That's, I mean, that's transphobic, I'm pretty sure. And deeply offensive, and so I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've praised capitalism and individualism and the Western ideal. Markets, Obviously, values. Those are relics of a colonial age that I think we'd all like to put behind us. The things we said about religion and being positive about it. Yes. Uh, all the um, science denial. We hate God now and we love we love global warming. Uh, and I actually have an idol to uh, global warming. I don't know if I've shared it with you yet. It's just a heat lamp. It's just a heat lamp and I and have an, an ice, ice cube. cube. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. And every day he replaces the ice cube. <laughs> yep. And like, you know, it's one of those things like sometimes you'll you actually see the ice cube melting back or I'm sorry, freezing back together. And that's how you know that global warming is watching over you that day. That's right. And, nice. and sometimes it, you can't tell what's runoff from the ice cube melting and my tears because it's all just very wet <laughs> and very unappealing. Yeah. Uh, what else do we need to apologize for, Hunter? Um, we've shared so many facts with our audience. Oh yeah, that was a good thing. We 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 forgot facts are with, hateful, without even acknowledging the fact that the idea of a fact 
is an outcropping of a patriarchal male-dominated system that gets to decide what is and what is not true. That that's Do you know actually... what color the sky is, Hunter? Ask me what color the sky is. Chris, what color is the sky? Whatever color women say it is, Hunter. That's correct, actually. Um, but also, I think that was pretty racist and transphobic and homophobic. You know what? You're totally right. For what reason? I can't say. That's right. So with that, uh, guys, I we're sorry. Yeah. We're well, going to go back to uh, bowing down uh, in the streets to people of different races simply because they are there and uh, doing yoga, which actually destroys the male's ability to reproduce so that we don't bring any more young young males into the world. And uh, we wish we could start a podcast about liberal ideals and topics, but obviously, Hunter... We're the wrong spokespeople. We, we've done too we've, much evil. Yes. The, uh, the red in our ledger is too extensive. Yeah. And so with that, uh, signing off forever, Carl Pooling. All right, I think they're gone. All right, are they gone? I think they're gone. They can't can't they won't be able to cancel us if we take five minutes of like prostrating, right? You can't cancel us now. You're not even listening. You can't Let's cancel us. Let's get back us. into it. Season two. I can't believe we've been away for so long. Oh, I want to scream. I'm so happy. Welcome back to the back seat. This is Carl Poole. Well, well, guess who's saying well now at the beginning of the podcast? It's not just a new season. It's a paradigm shift. Yeah. Hunter's the well man now. That's me. I have going out to the middle of town. I'm hanging out with that Samaritan woman, and we're all just getting water. It's great. I can't, I can't believe you make a deep cut Bible reference. Check the clock. Six minutes into recording. It's what I'm here for, you know. It is fantastic. One of the yeah. most spiritual shows on no the doubt. airwaves right now. No doubt. That's right. It's Carl Pooling. Yeah. Guys, we're sorry. We've been away. Life's been crazy. Yeah. And uh, if you can't tell by the relative silence of the background right now, we are not in a 2010, 2010. Honda Civic. Yeah. No, we... Uh... We, we, unfortunately, uh, careers changed, you know, different stuff, and we no longer get the great joy of carpooling together. Um, so we've moved to our home studios to make this a little bit more interesting. Uh, same great carpooling experience. Uh, we also hope sometime in the future when we take long trips together, as brothers do, uh, to record the show on those as well, so you still get the old, authentic carpooling show uh, that you know and love, but you still get our voices. Uh, we're sorry. This is actually going to have this new season. Of the show will have, um, I think it's a hundred percent less Rex in it. So there is yes. that one downside. <laughs> that that is going to be unfortunate. I think every yeah. now and again, I'm going to have to conscript Hunter's wife to come and just hit him in the back of the head, so we can kind of capture that magic. Right. Because uh, the the results were clear. You guys absolutely loved the danger of the show. Yeah. And. Uh, once you let that genie out of the bottle, it's hard to put it back in. So, uh, one thing that is cool, and Hunter mentioned this, is that we're we you know we take a trip together once a year, something like that. Right. And uh, now we have some 
experience, not only recording mobily, but traveling light and setting up our studio in strange places. And we've got some good equipment for that. So hopefully some more on location stuff in the future. That could be kind of fun. That'd be great. So anyway, yeah. Season two, we decided to start back up now that our new careers had settled down and we could get back into a groove. And well, we just we thought and we thought and we thought and we had no idea what we could possibly talk about. Yeah, there's really not week. a lot going on. Um, yeah. I've been at home a lot, so I've just been, you know, uh, doing my taxes. Um, <laughs> How long does that usually take you, Hunter? Are we talking about doing my taxes or are we talking about doing my taxes? So anyway, <laughs> uh, so while we still try and fumble around blindly for a topic, Hunter, why don't you give us... I. I so giddy that I get to say this again. I know. Please give me this week's carpooling roadkill. I cannot wait. So I went out to Twitter and I asked people to send me in their uh, roadkill this week. Only things that did not go against my biases. And everyone disappointed me and didn't send me anything. So if you want your name read out on the show, freaking grow a pair and own up to my biases and send me something that, you know, matches them. So I can read it on right. the show and give you credit for it. And um, just just uh, for any new listeners, Roadkill is a segment where we read a piece of news that's so ridiculous that we don't have to make fun of it, but we will anyway. Yes, exactly right. So uh, this comes straight from us from the Daily Mail, Christopher. Um, this might be not only one of the best hot headlines I've read this year, but it also might be one of the longest headlines I've read this year. All right. <clears throat> Are masks giving men a license to leer? Women report a rise in aggressive eye contact since face coverings become commonplace, as an expert <laughs> warns they provide anonymity for threatening behavior. This what? is an entire article about how women are saying men are staring at them confrontationally <laughs> due to face masks. Okay, I need to get into the logic of this art article. Yeah. All right, I'm done. I need to get into the <laughs> insanity of this article for a second. Are you saying that men covering their mouth make makes them more prone to leer at you? Yeah, like that is. because you. Hey, I don't know what that guy's teeth looked like. He was six foot four. He had black hair and blue eyes, and he he's right there in the red T-shirt. But I have no idea what his mouth looked like, so I'll never be able to give him a positive ID. This is a fantastic first paragraph. Women across the country are reporting a rise in aggressive eye contact since the introduction of face coverings in some public spaces. <laughs> Which is just like, like I can't tell if they're like conservative or or so liberal that liberal's not liberal enough. Yeah, it, this is like one of the more bizarre things I've read. I, essentially, I think like the gist of the article is saying like uh, apparently this is an issue, but like men stare aggressively at people and that can you know there's actually a sentence there's actually something in here saying that it affects women's health their careers and well-being or something like that too so apparently this has been a documented issue in the united kingdom before <laughs> covid and now has gotten worse since smiles cannot offset uh men's harsh gazes <laughs> so I, I have no idea where to even go with this i just want to say uh hey women um, I know that you're just getting hip to the jive with uh, face masks, but every dude that's ever walked by you wearing a pair of sunglasses, I'm sorry. It's happening. I'm really sorry. 
Maybe it's that's an, better because you don't know about it and it doesn't affect your health. But now I've made you all sick because yeah. now even if they're not, when they're wearing sunglasses, you're going to go like, was he? And the was answer he? is yes. Um, I remember in, in middle school when we would go to the beach, um, my cousin and I, who's been on the show, we were so lame. We were such losers. We would buy mirrored sunglasses specifically for this purpose. Correct. And we were... Un- I mean, it, what it's that's what it is to be in middle school, right? Well, um, I was I was handing out tracks. Yeah, Hunter, you weren't <laughs> you weren't a typical child, were you? <laughs> no, um, sorry about that. What a roadkill! Uh, you know, Thank you. here's the thing: uh, feminists in the UK. I'll button it up with this: if you are so weak that a gaze from a different person that doesn't mean it's acceptable. Don't go around being creepy. No. But there are creepy people. This is just a fact. If you are so weak that a gaze from a male gives you a legitimate health problem, then I have changed my stance. I do think I am better than you. I am <laughs> superior genetically. Yeah. That would never happen to me. It's weird, too, because the article like doesn't say like we all know of like hey, I'm looking at her butt, you know, sort of gaze, you know, and that is not the context of the article at all. It is like aggressive staring, like, like (laughs) he looks a little angry, you know, he doesn't look like he's smiling at me, like staring. And it's just like, I I have no idea how to help you. Like, this is the thing, like, hey, buddy, is everything okay? If the situation can be solved with that sentence, it doesn't need to be a news article. Hunter, I think you're being introvert phobic. Oh, oh, whoa. I didn't even think about uh, that. So check your privilege, and uh, let's move on to the next segment. Uh, okay. Sadly, I guess Studio Upgrades is dead. Well. Just tell uh, us about the old Beast Hunter. Tell us how she's doing, so just in general. She's good. She now has been retired uh, to the side driveway. Um, she lives there in kind pastures. I actually have been a really terrible father, um, and she needs more gas in her gas tank. I think she's been empty for like no joke, like probably a month at this point. Cause I suck. Well, so. if that's the case, you with as hot as it's been here, yeah. <laughs> name and address withheld. Then you probably can't drive it anywhere because yeah. it's uh it's probably evaporated, you know, but when we finally get to do a video show now, especially that you've got a different vehicle that you drive on the regular, I'm cool. serious. I want to take, I want to take a sawzall to the front half of that car Yes. And cut off the the whole dash and make yes. it into our studio desk. I think that's a fantastic idea. I would really like to do that one day. That is why I have to convince my wife not to sell it. Oh, she so. won't sell it. We've got better things to do. That's right. What are you going to get for it? 30 bucks? I mean, it runs bad and it looks terrible. It, <laughs> so. was, it was part of a successful podcast, though. So... We didn't even think about selling it as memorabilia, and that shows our our lack of insight. Capitalism thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys should not listen to this show. This is on you. All right, Hunter. So I've got our uh, Carl pulling patented topic dice out. Okay. And I'm gonna roll them, and whatever it lands on, we just talk about that. All right. So there's nothing ready? going on. So this works for me. Okay. Up. Oh, they landed on COVID nineteen. Protests, oh. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and George Floyd. Hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't oh. expect that. You wouldn't expect it, right? There's yeah. so many. They're they're twenty sides. Oh, I thought it was hundred sided. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> no, the hundred side after a, a formal review 
uh, it looks like eight Chan got a hold of the the hundred side dice, and we had to we had to put it down. What I really think the audience doesn't understand is the tininess of the font for this twenty sided die, because it is an actual twenty sided die, but minuscule font. Yeah, to get very all that small. on. It was all one face. Right, right, right. Christopher has like I don't know how vision works, but he is like one twenty vision, whatever the way that. That is, that's really good, and I'm smart, and you all thought it was smart that I said it like that. That's the way I meant it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, and even I have a I have a very bespoke set of of uh, monocles, whatever those huh. those uh, things that the eye doctor uses or a jeweler. Oh yeah, where yeah I yeah, click yeah, the yeah, different yeah. levels in to read the dice. Correct. Um, but no, obviously we've got to talk about what's going on um, with the coronavirus and the the uh george floyd situation and now how that's led to blm and antifa taking free reign of different cities etc yeah and i think that there is a a connection between both those issues and so hopefully we'll have time to get into it but i think they're not as unrelated as they seem so why don't we start giving our thoughts on both of those and then tie it together and hopefully get back to some of the insightful magic that we've produced in season one. Yeah. I think, I mean, honestly, Chris, and I'm, I don't, I don't think we need to have a ton of pressure on this today, but w- this is one of those. And this is one of the things I, I like so much about our show that we do is we take the time to walk through this stuff. And this is one of those things. I feel like there is so much in this conversation where we are at right now in our country mm-hmm. um, that, that, if this takes more than a few episodes, I'm totally fine with that because it's more important that we unpack it slowly and, you know, and in, in the right way. Um, but, and I know you feel that way too, but I, I'm just, I'm just opening that up to the audience to know that, yeah. you know, I think that's one of the most important things here because uh, kind of like with the whole uh, abortion episodes that we did before, you know, it's, there's a lot of sympathy involved in this conversation. You know, this is not necessarily a, um, you know, this is a complicated, nuanced topic, and there's a lot to talk through. Um, right. Yeah. The, well, there's elements of it that are incredibly sympathetic and that are incredibly yes. nuanced. And then there's elements of both of these stories that are absolutely rigid. Yes. So for me, it really runs the gambit of yes. of how I feel. There's parts of um, the riots that I understand. I should say the protests more that I understand. And there's definitely the majority of the George Floyd outrage I understand. Right. Um, but then, of course, there's other elements that are simply unacceptable and unrelated. But we'll yeah. get into that. Why don't we start with what I think is the easier of the two topics and talk about the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. I haven't, and I haven't heard what anyone it's who, done to us. I haven't ref- heard anyone refer to it by its Christian and surname in a while. And I'm oh. really proud of you for doing <laughs> I'm that. Sorry. China virus. Oh, thank you. Now, now I know what it is. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, I'll kick it off. So. I mean, like, if you haven't heard, we've all been locked in our rooms, you know. Um, the, the coronavirus is, it's, it's kind of crazy because it's one of those things, I don't know how much you've kept up with the New Zealand model of what they did, where they basically locked everybody in their house, and now it just doesn't exist in New Zealand anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that is the worst, best solution, given the coronavirus. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah, because go ahead. I hear what you're saying, uh, but I don't, I don't take any advice from 
idiot Kiwis. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you're from New Zealand and you're listening to the show, I love yeah, you. We need and your I love sub. your folk bands. Uh, we need your sub. Keep, keep bringing us to them. Yeah. Um, like, subscribe, heart, rate, review. Um, so, yeah. And I think because, like, and here's the deal. Like, I think we understand that the coronavirus is not deadlier than the flu for people under 50 at this point. Mm-hmm. It's hard to talk about this virus in a lot of, like, specific facts because it really feels like everything changes daily but i think we've got our hands around that that being said we now have another flu that we have to deal with you know we have another common cold we have another thing that takes life every year it's it's highly more transmissible than the flu right so yes you've got this you've got this interesting issue where sure maybe people aren't uh dying at a super accelerated rate. I think right now we're at like double the death count of the vaccinated flu season in America. And so that's not a ton of deaths for an unvaccinated disease, but it, it it still tons and tons of people are getting it and apparently losing taste. Mm -hmm. Um, which if I lost my taste buds right now, do you know how good I would look? (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that focus. Um, I was actually, this is going to be a little funny. Uh, I just recently, uh, I never could smell my entire life and I started this diet and now I can smell and, you know, like really smell like from a distance. And then when I learned that the coronavirus can steal away your sense of smell, I was like, well, it was fun while it lasted, I guess. So. That's hilarious. I, w- I want nothing more than y- for you to have just a brief moment of being <laughs> a real human being and then have it snatched away bitterly exactly right i am so bored of the numbers i'm so bored of the the analysis and so much of it is false you know we've got an entire media telling us that and an entire wing of our political institutions telling us that cases are on the rise we're spiking we're getting ready for a second spike and then when you actually look in the data you see that no we're testing more we're finding new positive tests and hospitalizations are inching up, but inching up rather slowly, which means that we're probably in the midst of a second spike, probably connected to some massive gatherings that may or may not have been happening all around the country. Uh, However, it is not, um, it is not uh, currently at the levels of the previous spike. We're Mm -hmm. not in a, any kind of healthcare shortage, et cetera. I feel like people are just being dishonest with us when they're fear mongering over the second spike Uh, at any rate. Uh, what I find interesting is this conversation about uh, not only the different ways that different municipalities has handled the virus, mm-hmm. but also what that says about uh, government overreach and more importantly about liberty. Yeah, And I think we should dive into that briefly and talk about uh, good and bad actors in that space because I think it's relevant. Okay. And, uh, yeah, kick open that door because I think that's an interesting conversation. Um, I, I will I will say that, you know, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. My wife is a nurse. Uh, I now do some work in hospitals. And I will say, you know, although the numbers are on the rise, um, we are not seeing a lot more strain in the hospitals, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is very interesting to see. I think that says two things. I think it says, one, people are less afraid. You know, they are like they're not as worried about this new thing. And some of that could honestly be related to fatigue. And two, I think it's saying that we've actually gotten way better at treating this. 
Um, I don't know exactly how that all works, but there has been talk about putting people on their stomachs that really helps their breathing. Uh, we know that when people get put onto a ventilator, they almost certainly die. Um, right. So we've seen some of those practices slow down, I think. I mean, I don't know all the all the things there. I'm not a medical expert, but I will tell you that from that on firsthand experience, you know, we're not seeing the, we're not seeing the same strain. Yeah. Uh, and we're in an area that's been, uh, been pegged recently for being on the rise. Not one of the worst, like Florida right. or, or uh, California, but still on the rise. Right. Um, or I will South say, Dakota. Uh, there's an incredible amount of, of, uh, how should one say, unscrupulous talk about what's going on in Florida as opposed to what's going on uh, with Newsom and Cuomo and Mm -hmm. uh, some of our other legislators. At any rate, we can skip by that for just a second because I do want to address one point that you just made, Hunter. Okay, go Uh, ahead. I was actually going back uh, through some discussions I had with people online, uh, including some of our listeners today, about coronavirus because as we've been off the podcast airwaves i've been active on social media mm-hmm. and i had an argument with a, a pretty bright kid um i used to tutor him in math so maybe not so bright but at any rate um yeah that's just a that's a small dig and if he ever listens to this you can know that's a small dig but Anyhow, um, I was having this argument with him, and it was about what the difference between the American healthcare system and the Italian healthcare system. Hello, mm-hmm. hi, welcome to carpooling. If you've never been here before, I hate the American healthcare system. It is the most regulated industry that we currently have in the United States by dollar amounts, bar none. Bar none, it is the most regulated, and uh, it is still, in theory, capitalistic. However, uh, it it does not. It doesn't play by free market rules nearly as much as I think it could or should. So we'll just start out by saying that. But I made a post about what was happening in Italy because effectively what we were seeing is rationing of care based on demographics, which mm-hmm. is the inconvenient inverse to eugenics. You know, the, right. you are deciding who lives and dies based on things as grotesque as age or gender or a combination of risk factors, et cetera. Correct. Um, which is incredibly similar to what uh, Hitler did for spite. <laughs> You're just doing it out of necessity. And right. I don't think that that makes it a moral system. I think that you can have a moral system in, implied on top of that, even if there is necessity involved. And so I was mm-hmm. saying that the best proxy for choice is often dollars and people are like but what about poor people and i'm just gonna say it again in america there's nothing you there's no reason you have to be poor graduate high school don't get somebody pregnant and keep down a stable job and before this coronavirus thing was kicking off we were at the lowest unemployment rates of all time so there really was no excuse to be poor i don't Um, even want to like i want to just stop there for just a second because that is such a that point sounds very hateful just in a vacuum to people that don't the people that don't know that but don I always get his name wrong. Don Lennon. Lemon. Whatever. I said it right. <laughs> uh, and you all thought I was smart. Um, he was saying this back like in 2011. Like that's how yeah. a common mainstream view that was n- nine years ago. So like the fact that that has such that tinge to it that we all hear right now just tells you the distance the country has moved. Yeah. And so like I, I want I, I just want to 
not to cage you or protect you, Christopher, but to really just bring to the forefront how much the Overton window has just changed in what we can talk about. I'm sorry, it's, keep going. It's amazing. In nine years, we've completely trained a a group of ignorant children yeah. that facts are your enemy. And and that fact yeah. is put out by the Brookings Institute, by the way, not some right-wing uh, hate fact factory. It's from a pretty leftist, uh, but statistically valid institution. So uh, I'm not speaking out of class when I say that. There's really no reason to be poor in America unless you make bad choices. Sorry. Uh, that doesn't mean that is a general rule. I'm not talking about you and your personal situation. There's plenty of anecdotal reasons why people can get dealt a bad hand. I'm happy yeah. to hear them. Um, but the three main reasons that people get dealt a bad hand or wind up looking down at a bad hand is because they made bad decisions that had nothing to do with their gender or their sex, et cetera, ad nauseum. So when you've got an unemployment rate that's at the, at the top of 3%, 3.9%, mm-hmm. which is what we had before coronavirus kicked in and got everybody fired um there's really no reason to be permanently poor unless you were sleeping around without protection or decided to you know get in too many fights in high school so given that then when we talk about responsibility uh and choice it seems like the dollar is a pretty good barometer for choice you have to preference your dollars over uh, your lifetime to spend them on different things mm-hmm. and people that make responsible choices and say, Hey, you know what? I won't take that cruise or, Hey, you know what? I won't buy that new, uh, new, new television. Yeah. Sure. Now I've got money to spend on a ventilator. So I was right. having this discussion with this individual and he said, just because we haven't, we haven't, um, rationed care yet in America doesn't mean that we won't. To which I replied, okay, well, I'm no fan of the American healthcare system, but in Italy they said no one over the age of 65 gets put on a ventilator. And this is before we learned that ventilators weren't not that effective. They no were one over the salvation. Age of 60, yeah, salvation is what we thought. Mm-hmm. And I said, that will never happen in America. You'll see the price of ventilators at hospitals go up, but you will never see a mandate that says what you have to do uh, with someone sure. a, a, a demographic-based decision. Now, you can... You can make decisions on prognosis, which is different than demographic, right? Mm -hmm. But even Mm -hmm. then, typically doctors are not allowed to make those kind of prognostic-based decision-making for intervening treatment. What they do typically, yeah, they usually go to the family and say, this is what it costs. This is the chance of success. And that's capitalism. As bad as our system is, that's capitalism. And that's why if there's a... That's like shaking hands with the devil you know. You know, yes. it's like, look, absolutely. look, here, here's what, you, you know, we can do nothing and they'll die or we can do this. And here's the chances of success versus the cost to it. You know, you'd rather know that. Right. And if you have to take out a loan, you've got mm-hmm. you've to pay for ventilator time, then take out a loan to pay for ventilator time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have bad credit, no one will give you a loan. Sorry, you made bad choices in the past. There's literally nothing better than responsibility and decision making to make these kinds of decisions. It's definitely not age. Uh, no one should be told that they can't receive care. And you see this all the time in the single-payer healthcare systems uh, with the NHS and uh, Italy's system, obviously. And so I just pointed out, that was my whole post where this thing started. It was just saying, anybody who tells you that they won't raff it, uh, ration care demographically under a single-payer system is a snake's oil salesman. Now we know we have this example. So anyway, I, I think that was a 
interesting discussion because we went back and forth for a while and then it got down to the bottom line. And this is what I find so interesting about some of this. It got down to the bottom line that the government should be price fixing ventilators effectively, that we should not be giving ventilators to the highest bidder in this case of a shortage, that it's Mm -hmm. the government's decision to decide who lives and who dies and who gets the ventilators and who doesn't. And it's funny how semi-rational people can wind Mm -hmm. up at this insane, evil, Maoistic conclusion when they have been fed a bunch of this tripe in their post-secondary institutions. I mean, I think back when I was arguing with this kid, nine years ago, he was in middle school. Nine years Mm -hmm. ago, like... They've spent the last nine years, like you were saying with Don Lemon, indoctrinating these kids until they think nonsense, just straight Mm. rubbish. And Mm. it's sad. It's sad to see. Um, I wonder if he would have the same opinion about the death penalty. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's interesting. Yeah, because he he probably would say the government probably shouldn't enforce the death penalty would be my assumption. I I, I don't don't know. I I wouldn't know. but But at the same time, it's like, you know, if if the government is in charge of doing that price fixing, the cost of that is you know, you know some people die essentially, right? And the government gets to pick those people. Well, does the government people get to pick who die on death row? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, and what and what about what, the... what about the cost of those to society? Right. You know, it's the same. It, to me, it it's slightly different arithmetic, and there is nuance there. There's a difference, but. The similarities are very, are, you know, very close, you know, right. uh, between those two situations. Well, I think that the difference is necessity, right? Like the difference between what Hitler did and what yes. Italy did is necessity. necessity. And that definitely makes the pill easier to swallow. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I'm not equating the Italian no, healthcare no, 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 system no, no, no. to Italy. But I'm saying if you wind up at the same conclusion, does the road that you got there from actually matter? And I think in some cases not. I would say this, that if you give the government the power to decide who lives and dies... Mm-hmm. You've made a mistake. That's an yeah. overreach that you've enabled uh, through your support and ideology for and certain certain initiatives, right? And so, that's a really cool thing that you said, the government, because it is a jury that has the power over life and death in a court. Right. And the jury is us. You know, and right. so like that's such an important thing to remember is like, you know, in all aspects of life, we the people have the power over life and death. For and the a most lot of part. A lot of people forget that when they're talking about Marxism and, and socialism. And hey, guess what? They're the same thing. And if you don't think so, you're wrong. At me. Uh, the the idea that policymakers in Washington should be able to make that call instead of mm-hmm. individuals on the or local level, yeah, yeah, or or a judge, yeah. um, is an absolute mistake. And that's the real crux of the argument. And what's so funny is how the Marxism slips in. Just like when we were talking in our New Green Deal episode, if you go back, it's like it starts out about the environment, and then the Marxism slips in. Well, it starts out with single-payer health care, which sounds nice because everybody can go get a shot for free. But then the Marxism slips in, and I think that people are so blind. A lot of people are so blind right now to where the Marxist attack is coming from. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly spearheaded on this one issue. I mean, how political have masks become? Yeah, that's a ridiculous thing. I, I want to, let's, let's go to masks. Cause I think that's interesting. I okay. do want to add one, one piece to what you're saying um, there. And I think you said this, but it's just so important to say um, there are of course people that tragic things happen to. Right. Mm-hmm. And there is, I want to call it a responsibility, uh, but also just charity for 
the people who have made the responsible decisions to help pick up those people. And I think there is a safety net that's needed in every society. I think that line of safety net is a really critical thing to balance. And mm -hmm. there are obviously places where we've gotten it wrong and obviously places where we've gotten it right. Um, but I just want to say that, you know, there are plenty of people who went through this whole coronavirus and the, you know, the, the breadwinner got sick and lost their job and possibly even died, you know, like tragic, you know, and the, our solution to that would be, you know, the best thing you can do there is to, is to go forward and to strive and to do something with that and take that energy and grow beyond it. You know, and you see so many people who through hard work overcome stuff. That's just insanity. Uh, Joe mm -hmm. Rogan is an excellent person to show that and a bunch of others, but Anyway, that's enough about that. Mask. Um, I never wear a mask, and I always spit on people. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> All right. You can tell a Republican when you see one. Um, <laughs> although the spitting, that might be like a kinky leftist thing. So you've left me back <laughs> in the middle. I can't decide. Um, so I've, I wear a mask to be respectful. Yeah, and exactly. I, I'm going to reach out to my fellow conservatives here for just a second. When you go into an establishment... Ask if masks are mandatory. If they're not, but you can tell that the people are uncomfortable with you not wearing one, wear a damn mask. Don't be such a pansy. Don't be so stuck up. The idea that you have to be completely on the Alex Jones tinfoil hat InfoWars bandwagon and say that uh, the masks are restricting our ability to breathe and we're going to get autism if we wear them is absolute science denial and you can be against mask mandates and not against wearing a mask to be a respectful person so i i'll put it that way mask mandates and this is the bottom line i think it's a government overreach they can't tell me what to wear also businesses don't have to let me in that is their choice too if i'm not mm -hmm. going to abide by their store policies mm -hmm. but don't go around just don't go around being an asshole I mean, that's the bottom line, right? Just like carrying. We've talked about firearms before. Right. If you want to carry, conceal carry, and don't wear two, uh, you know, yeah, two Doc Holiday open six shooters into the Starbucks. You're just going to make people uncomfortable. Don't do right. it. Don't do it. Right. I, I think that's perfect, dude. And I, I think, like, you know, like, Maybe this is this actually may be something we need to do in further legislation is like, you know, create pandemic powers for the government, um, because if there are simple things that mm. are required by the government, go you're ahead. wrong. You'd never be a founding father. Create pandemic freedoms for the people. Excuse me. I, I meant pandemic freedoms for the people in the Bill of Rights. That's uh, right. God bless America. Um, but but something like that, because, you know, like it, it seems to me. This is the thing. It doesn't seem obvious before this point. And this is kind of why you need people on the left is because now past this point, it seems so obvious that we need to have some kind of power in the pandemic for the good of society. Like mm -hmm. you going outside and not wearing a mask and not socially distance actually endangers other people's lives, you know? And we, you, you always say that really good line, you know, I get to swing my fist until I hit you in the nose. Right. You know? Right. And, and I think that I think this is kind of is like a new realm that we haven't necessarily explored yet. But I am. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this though. There, there's another side to this story too, which is I think a little dark and sinister. When the you remember all the way back in the beginning in February, and we're playing catch up here. I know, and we were told don't wear a mask, 
right? Yeah, yeah. Don't bu- don't buy masks. Um, I had this thought in the back of my mind, um, listening to Fauci and other people, and I was just like, are they not telling us that because they're afraid that Americans will run on the stores and buy all the protective gear and there won't be any for healthcare professionals? And I was like, no, 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 dude. That is Alex Jones level conspiracy thinking. You are no, going crazy. <laughs> you put that to the side right now and don't do it. And now there's literal testimony of Dr. Anthony Fauci saying that is exactly what he did, that yep. he thought the American people would make runs on stores and did not provide uh, and did not say they should buy pro, uh, buy protective gear. So all the recommendations from the CDC were from that same bias is my assumption. I, I assume I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, like, after this whole thing pass, you know, I don't think we're done with these things. I'm not a prepper. I'm not one of these people, but I think having first aid kits is important. Buy a couple of masks and throw them in your basement, man. Cause this is kind of ridiculous to me that that would ever happen in America. Yeah. And you can argue back and forth on the efficacy of masks anyway. And you know what? I want to go back even further when you're talking about the conspiratorial nature of the pandemic in general, I think it's being wildly overrepresented. Um, for instance, and we can get, this is kind of the main point that I want to make um, eventually, okay. but I think sure. that this pandemic is not nearly the deal that we're being told it is. It's wall-to-wall news coverage every day, and it's two flus right now. I'm sorry, but I don't buy it. I don't mm. buy that it's as big a deal as anyone says. Don't get me wrong. People are dying. People are getting sick, and I am incredibly empathetic to those people. However, we had done no cost-benefit analysis. We have done no reasonable measuring of our sickness versus the cure and i I, as an economist uh someone not not professionally i'm sure well and and i have um a finance-based degree that's true that's true i know for a fact that unemploying people at massive rates and tanking the dow jones you might think it's just a wall street rich people thing it yeah. means people die period it does. and and people that don't admit that are n- either ignorant or not trying to deal with you honestly and so mm-hmm. mm. The idea that we have not at all calibrated the shutdown of the entire economy basically to the cost of the pandemic is an absolute mistake and so mm. I think that there is um well, let's put it very simply. Donald Trump was a shoe-in against Biden in January. No doubts. Even right. on the left, no doubts. Biden right. is a corpse. He won't answer any questions. He won't, uh, he won't respond to any interviews. He won't respond to any questionnaires right now. Mm. And in January, they thought there's no way that Biden is going to be able to beat Trump with the economy the best it's ever been in this country. Cut two, six months later, and we have a big question mark. There are people in powerful places that would benefit if this, this, especially the fear around this pandemic continued, period. And that disturbs me. It disturbs me when I look at the numbers, see the overrepresentation, see the mm. wall-to-wall news coverage, see the way mm. that for the past five years, the uh, media wing of the left-wing party a.k.a. the mainstream media, has been holding water for the Democratic Party in America. It disturbs me, the trend that I see. Not saying that you take this thing lightly. You shouldn't. But the fear-mongering, I do not think it is 100% motivated for the good of the people. It's a really interesting point. Um, 
you know, because uh, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, uh, you know, obviously, like even when I had the, even when I was writing my conspiracy theory, I threw it out the window because I was like, no, daddy government loves me. He would never, you know, right. like that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but uh, just to be clear, I'm not talking about a coordinated effort. I'm talking about individual was... decisions making to continue this, continue this widespread fear. When you said disturbed, I think that was the right word um, because they're obviously something's off. And I know some of that is because we don't know, you know, there are no good answers here, uh, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it is, it is an interesting point that you raise when it's like given past events and given how everything is gone, um, on and just media in general, you know, it, it is interesting. I, I don't know if I necessarily think here, here's one thing, you know, when, Trump destroyed uh, the ISIS caliphate. It was good news to report on that. You know what I mean? When coronavirus uh, ransacks uh, the United States while Trump's in office, it's good news to report on that if you're a Democrat. You mm-hmm. get what I mean? There's political yes. heyday. And so it's hard, for me to, it's hard for me to know the line where it's like, oh, this plays really well for our side and this is the news and we need to report it. You know, I think that's a really difficult line to sure. find, but, but I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. Well, let me put it this way. It's the same with the Covington Catholic kids. It's the same with uh, the uh, protests that are going on right now while you've got CNN saying there's mostly peaceful protests in front of a burning building. It right. is always breaking in one direction. And so I don't, I'm not saying that they have a secret meeting or like, how do we get Trump? Let's release a virus or whatever uh, some conspiratorial people will think. Correct. What I'm Correct. saying is that yeah. I don't think we are being unbiased and rational in our reporting, and that is part of the reason that this fear-mongering continues. I, 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 think, I think that that point I, I is like that. so uncontroversial, it's obvious. I like you know? that, and it's, it's the thing at the beginning of this virus. Everybody came together, dude, and it was so beautiful because for like three weeks, it felt like America would be okay. You know what I mean? Like we would, we would re we'd kind of rally, get back together and go. And then that just kind of like fell apart with everyone name calling and pointing fingers. And right. let, let, let's be, let's be completely honest here. I mean, a lot of that's on Trump, you know, a lot of that's on Trump. And what sure. I mean by that is his rhetoric concerning the coronavirus has been abysmal. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think, and, and I think, I think he has to pay for that. And I think he is paying for that right now. I think his policy um, but, has been different, uh, just like typical. I think his policy has sure. been good, if not great. Right. Um, I think that his rhetoric and his you know daily news conferences that he was holding at the beginning of this very poor, very it, uh, uncalculated. It felt like FDR's fireside, uh, <laughs> but with none of the charisma. None of you the charisma I mean? and none of the level-headedness. Yeah, and that's and this is kind of the thing um, that, and I think we may have talked about this a little bit, but this is kind of why I think electing Trump was a mistake um, for the Republican Party, and probably in a lot of ways, but mainly the fact that when times are good, Trump is like your counterpuncher, your fighter against the culture, and if you wanted to, you know, not get anything done for four years and kind of have someone beat up on the other side. Okay, fine. You you got that in Trump, right? That was a bargain you could have struck. 
But when things go bad, he's not capable, man. He mm-hmm. doesn't have the power to get through this. And I think like, well, you know, I don't, if you mean get out politically unscathed, I agree. I don't think that the presidency is going to fall apart or anything. Sorry. That's what I meant. I, okay. I just mean like, I don't think he has the political wherewithal to like, you know, handle a situation like this. Um, you know, and I think that's, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, just given the polls now right. that have changed, you know, yeah. like it, it's so obvious at this point. Of course, I, I think, I think I just heard Alex Jones yell at me that the polls are a lie, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on what polls you talk about. Anyhow, sure. I, let's say one more thing about the coronavirus that I think is relevant, and then let people get back to their lives. Um, okay. The the um, there's another problem mm-hmm. here, and I think we should earmark it. I don't know what to do about it necessarily. Okay. When this whole thing started, it was two weeks to slow the spread. Yes. And yeah. now we've been yeah. in our houses for coming up on five months. Mm-hmm. That is disturbing. It is disturbing how much control we have given the government over our local businesses. In New York, you can't go to a bar unless you buy food. And now you have Cuomo coming out and say chicken wings don't count as substantial food. What Mm. are you talking about? Why can the government dictate to me what is and what is not food and determine what Mm. is and is not substantial? And not based on any kind of relevant scientific criteria, just based Mm. on how you're feeling that day. And the reason that he did it is because these bars were selling one chicken wing for $2 so that people could come drink. Okay? Mm. And he didn't ban an amount. He Not that he should be able to do that either. He just banned chicken wings in that Mm. they were not sufficient on a bill to consider you eligible to purchase drinks. That is the kind of government overreach that makes me sick. And the media, meanwhile, has been carrying water for Gavin Newsom and Cuomo with something of a fervor. They've been saying how well they've been handling the virus and how great things are, and the the stats are not in on that. They have done a terrible job so mm. far. Cuomo specifically mm-hmm. has had one of the biggest policy gaffes that I can possibly imagine in yes. forcing seniors back into assisted living homes. And the, mm-hmm. the media is so biased and so blind that, by and large, they've just carried water for him. They have run segment after segment after segment praising him. Chris Cuomo had Andrew Cuomo on his show to have a big brother cry along to yeah. tell him what a good job he was and how proud he was of him and how great his legacy was. You know why the death rates are going down in New York? Because everybody's already dead. I mean, so Mm -hmm. many, so many old people have died and that is heinous. And the reason they died was because of a completely aggressive shelter in place, pandering policy that put sick old people back into their nursing homes with other healthy old people and killed the whole lot of them. Mm. So I am very upset at the way that the media has fear-mongered. I'm very upset at the way that certain governors and and mayors have responded to the issue, and I'm extremely disturbed by the eyes-wide-shuttedness of a media complicit in praising things that are ideologically expedient for them at the price of people's lives. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I think that I think that's really awesome. Um, well said. I, I I have had one thought throughout this entire thing, and I think this is 
it's really, I feel like we're even losing sight of it right now. And I feel like we only had it for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And that is such a trite, stupid phrase. And it is so unbelievably true. Right. And if you, if you missed the COVID-19 as a calling on your life, to get your life put together and live in a meaningful way because at any moment a catastrophe can just appear in this world. You missed it, man. Like that it's not why this happened. You know, it happened because chemistry, you know. Mm-hmm. That that's why it happened. But and China. You know, and, yeah, and if you could have died any day, man. And this was a, just a convenient wake-up call. And if you are not pursuing meaning, if you're not pursuing something beyond just the physical, you know, of your life, like, get after it. You, are, you do not get a life without suffering. That's right. So, um, And anybody I, I, that comes to you and tells you that they found the cure for suffering, any government, any principality, yes. any power that comes to you and says, I've found the antidote i found the cure uh utopia right they're lying to you they are lying to you government Mm -hmm. will not usher in the utopia cannot usher in the utopia by the way humanity won't issue in the utopia the only utopia that exists that could possibly exist is the one that you can create in your own soul by being rightly aligned with your place in this universe period and maybe no one reaches that Maybe no one ever has. Maybe no one ever will. But the truth is that if you are looking externally for it, you will not find it. And these people that that say there's a problem in the world, people are dying, we have to go to the government to give me free stuff. We have to go to the government because they can solve this. One, they haven't been looking at government very critically, or it's coursed throughout human history. And two, they're, they are looking under rocks that have already been overturned. There will be no government-run utopia. There will never be an elimination of suffering. And to pretend like the government can, can bring that to you and deliver that to you, and if you just follow the mask mandates, we would have it, um, you, are, you are fooling yourself and, worst of all, giving yourself a fake enemy that you can mm. fight as a proxy for doing something actually meaningful with your life. Actually useful. That That is so good. And there's so many people that are just fighting the boogeyman on the other side that they are like, can, they are happy with being losers as long as they can do that. Right. Hey, I'm not that guy. Look at me. You know right. what I mean? And it's, and it's, and it's, man, well, I don't want to do that. What about all these Antifa and BLM protesters? And I, I, I don't mean protesters. Let me, say more specifically rioters that don't that don't know a thing about george floyd and are going out and tilting at windmills and lighting things on fire in pursuit of an ideology that they don't understand i mean it is so convenient to have an enemy you think that your you think that your life means something because you lit a fire in front of a public building Mm -hmm. you you're not you're not a freedom fighter you're a jackass Right. You haven't done anything, and, and you will affect no change that way. But it fills that gap in people's soul that says, 
I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I have to go and make somebody throw a punch back at me so I can feel like I fought something. Everybody hates themselves. That's yes. the truth. Everybody knows that they don't matter. And then one of the best ways to ignore that is to find somebody else who you think is worse than you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that guy. You know what I mean? And it's like, that, that just gives me, it just fuels my pride. I think we got to hit that next week, man. Um, the mainly protests? Just because, yeah, I just yeah. feel like we're at 56. Um, so and, and to be honest, there's still so much to talk about the virus. Like, I want to get mad at the WHO uh, <laughs> oh more goodness. than anything. Talk about, yeah. uh, talk about a group that, that carries water for some of the worst regimes on planet Earth. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about China and all of their malfeasance and their lies and the way that the American media stood up for them. There's so much Man. more that we could get into here, but I guess, I guess to wrap it up, it's this, I think what you said was a beautiful call to action, Hunter, um, and not a call to action that would be illegal to do on a podcast, a call to action in your individual life would be to make this a reminder one, you've seen the incompetence of the government in this. They can't stop this. It's amazing. We are so, so privileged to live when we do now because we've eradicated so many diseases, but something new comes along and we still are powerless to stop it as of yet. Mm-hmm. And two, the government can't guarantee you tomorrow. And by the way, nobody can. Mm-hmm. You have got to realize what you said when you put your head down on the pillow at night. Hey, guess what? I don't matter. I don't matter. So what do you do about that? Well, either you rage against the machine, bulls on parade, or you say, then I need to give up on this, on me, and start focusing, get plugged into something that is greater than me, something beyond me that matters. So that's a great takeaway from all of this. You are not God, and neither is no one else. Hey, you want me to take the wind out of our sails real quick? Wind me. We didn't say what the show was about at the beginning, so let's do it here at the end. (laughs) Yes, so Carl Pooling is a conversation between two brothers, Hunter and Chris. Find me on Twitter at ChrisXCarl. Find him on Twitter at EmotionalCarl. Same handles for Instagram if you'd like to see pictures of us at your own risk. Not suggested. And we have a conversation... uh, Typically weekly, we're hoping to get back to that schedule about something that matters, about something that has meaning. And yeah. uh, and that is why we are here right now. And so hopefully we'll be able to bring that to you here in season two on a more regular cadence. Yep. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Uh, rate and review on iTunes because the other two don't matter. Sorry, Spotify. Sorry, Google Play. Uh, but, you know, Steve Jobs pays the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Get, Follow us on Twitter it. and Instagram at Carl Pooling and yep. Facebook is Carl Pooling Podcast. Send us an email at carlpooling at gmail.com Gmail. and you can find all of those links in one convenient location on our website, carlpooling.com. Yeah. Um, I'm really upset because I can't do the ignition at Yo, my desk. With the car? Hey, yeah. do you know what we can do though for fans of season one? What can uh, we do? If no. you remember, no. I had no, a certain way that <laughs> no, I like to sign off the show. I don't remember. And it, it seems even more prescient now in Please light of don't. a global pandemic. Uh-oh. So, everyone, better. go get tested. You know what? Go get tested. Go get tested.